Dice Company contains fantasy violence, mature themes, and unapologetic bickering. No feelings were hurt in the making of it, but listener discretion is advised. Dice Company will always be free, but it's not free to make. Please consider supporting us on Patreon or Apple Podcasts and get access to our weekly roundtable show Extra Roll. Just follow any of the links in the show notes for this chapter. Welcome one and all to Dice Company, where a group of old friends weave tales of triumph, heroism and despair under the guise of playing Dungeons and Dragons. My name is Tom and I'll be your DM through the continuing adventures of this group of mystery boxes wrapped in enigmas smothered in riddles. Group of mystery boxes wrapped in enigmas smothered in riddles. Please introduce yourselves and give the audience one fun fact about your characters. I am Alex and I'm playing Augustus. And my fact this week is that when Augustus was 17 and unbelievably full of himself, even by current standards, he asked a beautiful young woman to dance at a ball. As the woman came from a relatively unimportant family, he assumed she would be delighted, even honoured. But she said no, and instead told him that she suspected his pampered upbringing had rendered him absolutely useless. This simple statement has lodged itself in Augustus's very soul. That's a good fact. Struggling to find an angle on that. Yeah. Yeah. Be honest, feel kind of sympathetic, and it's in no that is in no way autobiographical. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> there in the mirror before starting the podcast. <laughs> I'm in school disco 1997. <laughs> Hi, I'm Harry. I'm playing Tok. Tok has been considering that following the train heist, the party needs some new false personas whilst they remain in Slate Home. Tok's current suggestions are human individual one, human individual two. Human individual three. Automaton unit one. I love it. I, think, I absolutely I think, love it. I mean, what could possibly go wrong? I tell you what, one thing that's good about that is at least we'll probably be able to keep track of who's who. <laughs> I, mean, I actually think those are more believable personas <laughs> than the ones we came on with last time. Obviously, we'll be fighting about who gets to be human number one. <laughs> exactly. This is going to be the Mr. Black, Mr. Pink argument for Reservoir Dogs, but much shitter. Is that, should I be taking this as a shot against my awesome names I came up with? I don't know. They're really good. Well done. Well done, buddy. I mean, Radegard Sloom has no issues with the names. Lord <laughs> Sloom is happy. Hello, I'm Dave, and I am playing Benny. Benny has a recurring dream that he is in the orphanage where he grew up and he is walking through the orphanage at night and he finds a secret room when he moves a book on the bookcase and the door slides open and as he raises his lantern to see what's in the room, he awakes. That's superb. My God. Thanks. What is going on, people? What is going on? Investigation check. What's in the room? What's in the room? <laughs> Arcana. <laughs> it's magic. <laughs> so now we're going to hear some of Vanda's dreams. <laughs> we are once again, by hook or by crook, on you guys having hit on three superb facts. And the tail end batsman steps up. <laughs> Here he comes. Dream about apricots <laughs> and dogs coming up. Ali Googled fun facts 10 minutes ago. <laughs> Google never fails. Uh, so, uh, hello, my name is Charlie. I play Vander Finnick. A fun fact about Vander Finnick when he was growing up as part of his schooling, he spent some time in a small town in Roanoke called Shale. And he had his first drink, realized that he quite liked the creature and got quite merry. Uh, unfortunately for him, he got on the wrong side of the law and was momentarily arrested for uh, breaching the peace. Luckily for Vanda, the, the night watch were distracted and he was able to make his escape. But the only thing nearby was a pig. 
So in this small town, he is both wanted for breaching the peace and uh, stealing a pig. I didn't know where that ending was going. <laughs> yeah, no, there wasn't. There wasn't, wasn't going to get really sinister. I saw the collective like facial reactions of everyone. I thought, should I have stolen other lives? I mean, I think that that's the facial reactions of four people who are absolutely convinced that the podcast has just lurched towards bestiality. <laughs> <laughs> Some of us are surprised it's taken this long. Yeah, <laughs> I, I had episode six in the sweepstake. Congratulations. <laughs> that is the perfect round of intros from you guys. I mean, we might actually have to retire this as a bit going forward because I don't think we're going to top that. I prepared another five. That's fine. We're not going to retire the bit. We uh, we don't like change. <laughs> and we're not creative enough to retire the bit. Yeah, exactly. We, we'd have to think of something else to replace it with. Got nothing. I don't think anyone wants to hear our options two and three, which are haikus and rap battles. Don't. Why would you put that out there? Now people are going to demand both of those things. <laughs> right. Rap battles has legs. When you say people, do you mean Chris from North London? Chris from North London will be all over the rap battles from this. No, I bet. Anyway, let's get stuck into the next chapter of Dice Company. Last time on Dice Company, you ransacked the steamrunner of anything and everything you could find, opted not to attack a bounder called Angus McLeod, found an invisibility potion, and escaped. Alighting near the steamrunner man's inn, you walked in the pouring rain back to Slate Home. A quick visit to Gearheads led to the revelation that she had not yet obtained the Jerima wood you need to fix the sterling, but she did leave a message with Gunda telling you she'd be back in the morning and left your payment. Hoping to avoid being recognised, you visited the Tipsy Tinker to spend some gold. Uh, a report in the Ovic Observer informed you that the Empire was no longer looking for you. After a few ales, Vander revealed a sad story about his past. Toasting one another, you spent the rest of the evening in the Tinker before heading to bed for a well-deserved rest. You awaken in the morning on the first day of Gladden, the sixth month of the Alestian year. With spring finally starting to draw to a close, you all return to the now empty bar for a full cooked breakfast and some fresh tea. Everyone please remove six silver from your coin purses. Outside, the torrential rain continues to smash down on the city, creating a darker than normal atmosphere. What would you like to do? I would like to enjoy my breakfast and finish reading the paper that I didn't manage to finish last night because Vanda got so emotional about the first article we came across. Otherwise known as, ca as character development to the emotionally gifted among us. <laughs> so please may I see if there's any other interesting articles in the newspaper. You absolutely can. Uh, the main headline uh, on the now two-day-old Ovic Observer is The Steamrunner's Maiden Launch. Ingenious and inventive gnomish builders today launch their long-awaited mode of transportation, the Steamrunner. Like an enormous stagecoach, the Steamrunner can transport large quantities of people through the mountainous lands of Ovik, with ease previously thought unachievable without an airship. Large parts of the Steamrunner were created and crafted by a local philanthropist who has been earmarked for a commendation by both the Tamrace Foundation and the Emperor himself. It may have taken years to build, but the future of transportation could be just around the corner. The gnomish people of Ovik have, for some time, been looking for a way to return to the good graces of the Emperor. The Steamrunner may just be the ticket, and all eyes will be focused on a successful launch. Uh, on the reading front, I've got some books to, to hand out, and uh, <laughs> not that I'm starting a book club, but I do have some books. So I think I'm going to hand Fluffington to Benny. 
because it's about dogs. I'm going to hand ghost stories to Augustus and Top gets the third book. The title of which you definitely remember. I do remember it, but it's for you to read. The Forgotten Children of Corlar Vale by Jingo Merry Chap. If we're having a, a literary morning, anyone here read a bit of Elvish? I can read that language. Yes, me too. Good news. I got a map. I discovered a map while we were on Steam Runner. See if you can have a look, because I don't understand the language, but I do understand a big X, which appears to mark a spot. Indeed. X's on maps are often used to mark a location. Renowned for it. Renowned for it. Um, yeah, would you mind reading Elvish on this and seeing what you reckon? And I roll out the map in front. Uh, okay, Tok will provide translation for everyone. So the map shows details of the topography of the mountain of Grodsank here. As Benny highlighted, there is a small X next to a cave entrance. Scrawled in writing in Elvish are the words Morenial Athfair Sehan, which Tok handily translates to the Tomb of the Wanderer. He completely butchers the accent, though. <laughs> Evander leads in. Gentlemen, I uh, think maybe we might have to cancel book club this morning. It seems that it may be worth a trek. Huge disappointment for anyone who wanted to hear fictional characters discuss fictional <laughs> books. <laughs> Can I have uh, history checks from everyone, please? Uh, 15 for me. Six for me. Seven for Tok. 24 for Augustus. Benny and Augustus. The Wanderer's Tomb is a location of myth allegedly housing the final resting place of Elias the Wanderer. There are no official references to his existence in any verified historical documents, but still the legend has persevered. Many have wasted and even lost their lives in the pursuit of it. It is said that Elias, arguably the most prominent figure of renown in the history of Alestia, constructed this elusive sanctuary over eight centuries ago, imbuing it with enigmatic secrets and guarding it from prying eyes. He also filled it with powerful artefacts and wealth from his near-century-long wanderings. Its precise whereabouts has eluded scholars, adventurers, and historians alike. Uh, the, you know that the last verified sighting of Elias was actually in the Far East in the lands of Silveria, leading many to think that his tomb would be located there. Uh, gentlemen, I recognise the name, the Tomb of the Wanderer. I believe there's a poem uh, which I could recite for you if you'd like to hear it. Please go on, friend. What could be nicer than a bit of poetry at breakfast? Probably silence, but here I go. Thought it'd cross my mind. Beneath the earth, a tomb of old. Elias the Wanderer's secrets hold. His sorcerer's might, a beacon bright. A treasury of knowledge, of endless light. Yet beware the shadows that do deceive. False places where tricksters weave. Choose the path with utmost care. Elias' true legacy lies hidden there. To jump in with, I imagine, what Vander probably ought to be saying, uh, finish your breakfast, it sounds like we're going grave robbing. Excellent. Vander takes a really grotesquely large bite of breakfast. And let's register my ups upset that you didn't choose to do it in the style of a rap battle. For the uh, official record, has Vander minced his breakfast in some way before eating it? There's <laughs> uh, been a good pasting of, uh, of the breakfast. Maximum slop factor. Before we go chasing after treasure and getting ourselves killed, delightful heartfelt moment from Vander last night. Are we going to take any steps to help Kaelin? He is a significant distance from us in Ovik. Right, that is that is true. But we've now got a, a contact, I suppose, someone who might be able to uh, to get in touch with him or tell us more about his, his situation. How do you feel about reaching out to uh, to Lady Morticia, Vander? We appreciate that might be a sensitive issue. It's not Kaelin I have my concerns for. Kaelin has always been able to take care of himself. These situations aren't new to him. It's Morticia. 
She is not Rojan. She is not. Well, with all, you know, with the greatest respect for your feelings for Lady Morticia, I've never met her and I don't feel like I owe her out. So I'm less, <laughs> I'm less bothered now, to be honest. Your input, Benny, as ever, is meaningless. I'll remind you of that next time you want someone to uh, to creep forwards into what you suspect might be a death trap. Banda smiles. You have been very useful on the creeping front, haven't you? And to be fair, we almost always know it's a death trap. Banda, what gives you the impression the lady may be in danger? Because the newspaper article didn't say that, I don't think. It's not what the newspaper article said, but what it implied, Augustus. I, as you know, know Morticia well from days past, and she is well known to me as someone who is outspoken about her views. If she's begun to appear in the paper, even vocally against the Empire, time will be short before further actions may be taken. Kalian is used to this. Morticia is not. Very well. Well, I agree with both of you to some extent, Benny and Vanda. We perhaps might help both of these people who would both benefit from being whisked away from the Empire's care. The question is, how on earth do we get anywhere near them? We need rare wood, riches, and the resources to get there. The Empire may be watching for our airship, the Sterling. Possible, true. I don't think that now is the right moment. As things are, I believe Kaelin can take care of his own affairs and we do not stand to improve his lot by attending his location, wherever that may be. And Morticia, as yet, doesn't appear to be in danger. And isn't our problem. Thank you, Benny. While you're having the discussion and being needled very gently by Benny. Not that gently. <laughs> not that gently, no. I was trying to try to play diplomat while bother in the future. Vanda, you begin to overhear a slightly heated discussion on the other side of the bar. Keeping one ear on it while still maintaining conversation with the rest of your friends, you overhear one of the regulars arguing with the main bartender. You hear about the ungovernables? Killed they was. All of them. Last night? Wasn't all of them. Bardle got away, fought his way out of town. Not that impressive, is it? I mean, bounders around here are not exactly champion pit fighters, are they? Maybe not, but they managed to kill his little group, didn't they? True. But come on, they're not going to bring down Bardo, are they? I mean, he's three-time Slate Home Silver Sword winner, and they don't just give that award to someone just because they're handsome. You sure about that? Oh, don't start with all that again. By Roller Gold's name, I saw him beat three of Slate Home's finest fighters. At once. Yeah, but they were gnomes. He's a human. So? Still three on one, wasn't it? You're an idiot. Eat your breakfast. As scintillating as your conversation is, Benny, and Vanda slides from the, the uh, table and moves in the direction of the conversation, approaching the two men. Did someone mention handsome? And Vanda smiles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're uh, just talking about Bardle Shorts and the Ungovernables. Oh, yes. What about them? Oh, they're, they're, they're all killed. Well, not Bardle, but the rest of them were all killed last night by Bounders. How terrible, Vanda says, not looking like it was terrible. Are you a fan? Of sorts. A beer, gentlemen. It's a bit early for a beer, but I'll uh, I'll take a breakfast if you're, if you're offering. Uh, Vanda's going to go for that. How much is a breakfast? Give him two silver. Okay, I've just deducted that. Oh, so, so when, when did you become a fan of the ungovernables? Well, I've not been in town long, only heard bits here and there. But I do enjoy the stories. Yeah, do you, you hear about them? How they're the most successful fighting stable that Slate Holmes ever seen? 
Yes, but I've not seen them. Have you? Oh, yeah. I, I go every week. It's like it's the best thing you can do in this place. It's so entertaining. It's like they're fighting and you think that one of them's going to die, but they never quite die. So it's amazing. And so what was the fracas about last night? I, I don't know. I mean, Bardo's always been a bit cheeky when it comes to the Bounders. You know, you can't imagine him ever really doing anything serious, but there's this, this inspector fella, right? Uh, inspector McLeod. Oh, yeah. And he was absolutely convinced that he'd done something wrong. And so he brought as many bounders as he could. Things got out of hand. You know, you don't square up to champion pit fighters without expecting some violence, I guess. But I see. So a failed arrest from the inspector. Some people say that he wasn't actually trying to arrest them, that he was happy to kill them. He's probably furious that Bardle's got away, to be honest. And where would Bardle go, do you think? Probably to the mountains. You know, Grodsankir's massive, isn't it? So probably hold up there, maybe get in training, come back, win another silver sword. Kind of thing he'd do. I see. Well, thank you for your time and do enjoy your breakfasts. You're not you're not thinking of going after Bardle, are you? I couldn't possibly say. Look, I I don't know you, stranger. You don't look like you're that steady on your feet. So if you are planning to head out of town or head towards Grodsankir, just be careful. There's a lot of, lot of beasties up there. I heard that there's a manticore around there as well. Quite dangerous. Manticore, you say? Yeah. A little glance at Tok. I mean, Tok's definitely not going to pick up on any hints that you're doing there, but... Because oh, <laughs> just winces at the memory of the last, the last hollowed-out manticore that eventually got me... Lung against the wall by a squid. <laughs> Obviously, yeah. So we want we want a manticore pelt for the um, for the uh, uh, magic item formula we found. But uh, unless you're at the table with us, Tok is hundred percent not picking up on your uh, hint. Cool. I'm going to look back then um, and think to myself, okay, a sword happy fugitive, a manticore pelt attached to a live manticore, and an X marks the spot up in the mountains. Thank you, gentlemen. Sorry, are we kind of thinking that the, where the X marks the spot is, is sort of potentially somewhere in the same area as the place they were just talking about, the mountain? I believe, unless I'm mistaken, it's going to be very sim- very close to the lake that we uh, landed the airship in. Two birds, one stone, like that. Gentlemen, I think maybe it is time to grab some supplies, maybe, pay a little visit to our gnomish friends, head back to the ship and up into the mountains. What say you? Read. I find this to be acceptable. Under a quick question, I, I heard a mention of the ungovernables and something about the bounders. What do you make of that? I think that is not the last we've seen of our inspector friend. Could have been, couldn't it? Yes, he's investigating something maybe a little larger and broader than he let on to us when we were on the steam runner. One to watch for, I think. Maybe we should have dealt with him. Perhaps we should have unleashed Dr. Sigmund after all. <laughs> should have rendered medical aid. <laughs> anyway, before we um before we finish up our morning book group, can we have a look at the um the tithe document? Because there's something funny about that. There's something funny about it, and I'm sure Tock will retrieve it from the bag of holding, uh, pass it over to Benny. And whilst he's doing that, actually Tock's gonna take a look at a couple of the magic items we've retrieved. So there was a cat totem. Hey, Doc will have a fiddle with that whilst Benny's investigating the papers. Cool. Benny, give me a, a DC 14 investigation check, please. Uh, and if anyone wants to help him to look at it, he can have an advantage. What'd you roll there? 10. At advantage as well. Good grief. Augustus investigates. <laughs> 22. Benny obviously struggles 
to properly investigate the tithe document, and Augustus presumably snatches it out of his hand. Augustus's investigation reveals incompetence. <laughs> no, this is all a matter for the nobility, clearly. Benny will certainly hold no grudges about this. <laughs> <laughs> Augustus, you uh, have a look at the signed tithe documentation relating to a Lord John Flagonstaff, alleged major of the Grand Army of Cantioch. It says that the tithe is paid in full and that it was paid in the year 1 KE, which you know is obviously the first year of the Kalian Empire. As you investigate very closely, you realize that there is another name that was on the document which has been erased and written over. You're able to make out the old inscribed name as reading Lucian Winter. So I first of all explain that to the guys. And then now I remember that that was the name on the uh, letter that Vander found in a wall way, way back in like episode two. However, I don't think Augustus saw that. No, Vander didn't tell anyone about it. Uh, so, so Augustus says... Yeah, no, really I remember good. that name as well. Yeah, uh, an incredible memory. So I explain all this, gentlemen. I I see this as the name Lord John Flagonstaff, but also that that that's overwritten the name Lucian Winter. Ah, Lucian Winter. Yes, yes. I remember getting mercilessly and roundly rebuked episode after episode for not picking up the locket, which has become the central dividing force in our party, if I remember correctly. How's my aim? Group. Better <laughs> uh, gaming. Really yeah. One damage. <laughs> okay. Psychic, yeah. I mean, I mean, episode characters in the story referring to episodes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, breaking no walls at all. Ah, yes, I remember reading that name on a piece of paper that I didn't investigate further back where we started. <laughs> so you remember the name, Vanda? Do you happen to remember anything else about what was attached to the name? Can you tell us anything about this Lucian Winter? I believe there was a locket. And I believe the locket was left as a token of love from someone who would not be returning to their loved one. <laughs> and now we have the name, not the locket. <laughs> and so, gentlemen, what can we make of this document in front of us? Very little. I find human matters very confusing. Me too, Doc. <laughs> I've read a fair bit of uh, folklore, which will come as no surprise to you, as you know me as a well-read person and respect my uh, opinions and, and broad range of knowledge on a variety of subjects. And I recognise the name Lord John Flagonstaff from Old Tales of Cantioch. I think it's just a, a, a name that someone's chucked onto this document to cover something up, a historical figure rather than a, a modern-day one. see. I feel this rather makes the sin of picking or not picking up the locket worse and worse. <laughs> if you'd like to be reminded of what the locket said, it was only a couple of weeks ago in real time, so I'll happily reread it to you if you wish. Let me recall what the locket said, gentlemen. There's to my darling Clara, this is all I have in the world. Use it to book passage off this accursed island. I'm about to do the unthinkable. Don't follow me. Yours always, Lucian. Well, so this document is someone paying off their tithe so very quickly after the empire brings up within you know year one this person has their tithe paid off which seems like the empire likes them if he thought it was an accursed island then lucian didn't like the empire but perhaps the unthinkable was to somehow join or collaborate with the empire 
and therefore get the tithe paid off and potentially his name expunged and a new identity. Does that sound sensible to anyone? Well, I have to admit, when I heard that he'd done the unthinkable, I assumed he chucked himself into the sea. But your theory is equally plausible. Perhaps he considered an act of resistance against the Empire. How morbidly afraid of large bodies of water do you have to be <laughs> before before chucking yourself in the sea becomes the act we know as the unthinkable? Well, I, I would say that, you know, killing oneself could be the unthinkable. But then he said, don't try to follow me, which makes me think... Like into the sea. Well, yeah, I was like, if I, go, if I go for a swim, though, I don't say, guys, I'm off to do the unthinkable. So, so just to be clear, it, it could be that he resisted the empire, joined the empire, or leapt into the sea. Feels like you're covering a lot of bases there. Could be. The next time I go swimming, I'm going to turn to the people with me and say, I'm about to do the unthinkable. Don't try to follow me. <laughs> After you've left your kids with a septuagenarian. <laughs> and then just, just going up to your knees. <laughs> just stand there. Oh my God, he's doing the unthinkable. I have also done the unthinkable with Tick. Oh God, where is this going? <laughs> I crossed underneath the Roller God Sea south of Ovik, to the north coast of the southern continent. You can walk along the bottom of bodies of water? I mean, we have seen him do that. Indeed. We've not seen him do the unthinkable, though, have we? <laughs> I mean, small bodies of water is fine. It's Large bodies of water is completely incomprehensible. <laughs> to automatons, it was thinkable. While you guys are discussing this, we're going to very quickly jump to Tok, who has been studying the cat's head statue. Having spent enough time with this since finding it, you recognise this as a statue of Bastet, who is an, a lesser god of cats. Little is known about the god other than they are represented as a cat-headed humanoid. This statue's eyes are amber, and the back of the head, there is a small circular hole. Looking through it allows you to see out of amber eyes. It is a magical statue that allows you to see invisibility. Ooh. Andy, as, as I was looking in, I saw we've also found a carved stone that has a flame, water, and half circle engraved on it. Tok will also investigate that whilst the others are endlessly debating minutiae. <laughs> You, you study the stone with the four symbols on. Uh, this is also magical in property. It is a single-use magical item that allows you to summon a lesser elemental. Our elemental in our airship's not lesser, right? Would that would that single-use elemental be able to power us for like a short distance? It's almost like a spare tire elemental. You could use it in combat as well, but yeah, it is, I suppose, if you want to reduce it to the mundane. As long as we don't accidentally summon... Summon a mud elemental, a particular lesser one. We just get a clod of mud. <laughs> one time use. Don't even get to keep the mud. <laughs> but it will henceforth be called the spare tire. God damn it. Let's give it to Rosalind <laughs> to look after. <laughs> Rosalind, who you haven't seen in three days. She's fine. She's a chef. We should we should stop by the airship, actually. You guys ran out of food three days check ago. check on Rosalind, guys. Did we run out of food three days ago? I thought we had loads of food after. We just uh... left her for dead. No, you had enough food to last you until Grod sank in. She better be an amazing cook because she's gonna she's gonna be bushcrafting her way through this. She she had a, a large supply of fresh meat on board. There was those uh, Quetzalcoatls that <laughs> we killed. Oh yeah, that's true. That's true. Augustus assumes that someone who is a chef cannot starve. As you're sitting there enjoying each other's company and learning lots, at the end of your table there is a sudden small puff of mist. 
Did everyone see that? Your cat glasses. Talk. Talk to me through the cat totem. Place looks exactly the same as it does without the cat totem. He turns to Vander and says, negative. Uh, can I do an insight? I would just to see if I can think anything of that. Yeah. Ten. It definitely felt magical to you. That felt like an unnatural mist to suddenly appear. How big was this thing of mist? Sorry, and did it dissipate? Two hands worth in size, and it just poof, and then rose up and disappeared quickly. Is there any sort of check or or past knowledge or anything any of us can do to try and... You can all give me arcana checks. 13. 15. 9 for Augustus. And 17 for Tok. Tok, you have never seen this spell used, but you've definitely heard Tick mention a spell called Misty Step before, which allows someone to teleport quickly through mist from one place to another. Gentlemen, I think it may be time for us to uh, begin our day's activities given the latest development. Find this acceptable. Perhaps we should entertain the possibility that our destination is now known to somebody because we've just just discussed what we're intending to do today. I suggest a visit to our gnomish friends to get the wood, then to the ship, and then into the mountains with the stop for supplies on the way. Agreed. Agreed guys step out of the tipsy tinker into the torrential rain which is hammering the city and head towards gearheads you guys have spent an hour or so around slate home uh, in the pouring rain hopping from one shop to another normally we'd play this out but we know what your history is like when it comes to shopping trips so we'll just condense it for you and the audience Benny has bought himself a mirror, a grappling hook, a set of good boots, some oil, chalk, a new cloak, and a healing kit, while Tok and Augustus have bought themselves shields. Vander has added to his inventory with some soup and a chocolate bar. Guys, you guys totally wasted your shopping trip. This is why I got the shield to hide whilst <laughs> Vander eats the soup. With the shopping out of the way, you head towards Gearhead's headquarters. With the rain lashing down, you notice that the familiar two guards are not at their post. This is the first time you've walked past and they haven't been stood there. The main door is open. This doesn't look good, gentlemen. I think we should proceed with uh, caution. We send our canary. <laughs> Benny? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> send in the sacrificial lamb. Banda, are you aware of a secondary entrance? to this facility. I'm afraid not, Tok. I'm only aware that Gearhead is a lovable gnome on the outside and an unconscionably appalling serial killer on the inside. So what we find in here is likely to reflect the latter. Well, everyone has their faults, I guess. Who are we to judge? <laughs> she seemed very pleasant. <laughs> I vote we send in the kipper. I mean, I'm not sure sneaking actually makes sense here. Maybe we should just go in carefully as a group. If someone's lying in wait, we can't sneak, we can't stealth past them, right? In which case, Tok will volunteer to lead. After, just just for just for clarity, after your comments earlier, I wasn't going to volunteer anyway, so this is probably going to work. Your silence made that abundantly clear. <laughs> <laughs> With Tok at the lead, the four of you head into Gearhead's headquarters as a crack of lightning and a boom of thunder rain out around the city. As we get in from the, from the rain, Vanda unwraps a chocolate bar. Hmm, chocolate. Benny? Yeah? Why the mirror? They're good for looking around corners. 
Oh, I thought that might be some clandestine approach to get your scar back into the story. My mistake. He takes another bite of the chocolate bar. Piss off, man. <laughs> I would watch a sitcom that was just Vander and Benny talking. <laughs> so would I. In the main lobby, the cage is empty and the entrance door to Gearhead's workshop is open a crack. There are voices ahead. I will motion to, to Benny to take the lead on this one. Yeah, it's definitely time for the canary in the coal mine. <laughs> Release the canary. Release the canary. <laughs> Ever, I, I take out a little yellow flag and wave it. Benny, I think it might be... Uh, might be I'm still wearing my chain mail. Yeah, and? Benny, go, go on. I'm sensing a lack of cohesion in our team. I get out my shield and hide behind it. Tell me you need my help. Banda rolls his eye. Benny, we apologise for any rough words or sarcastic comments earlier. We would be deeply grateful if you would use your exquisite stealth skills, edge forward, and see what trickery is afoot here. Also, we apologise. Tok will guide him uh, by taking out one of his little tablets, and uh, on it is like some some helpful advice for sneaking and listening to them. Giant suit of armour. Help sneaky guy to sneak. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Benny, might you be persuaded to go ahead despite our outrageous rudeness? Benny sighs deeply and starts to stealth forward. Stealth check, please. And don't forget, you can add a D4 because of Tok's expert guidance from his tablet that just says, sneak better. <laughs> sneak well. <laughs> oh, we're back oh in God, it's the brass band territory. Ten. Is that a natural one? Including a natural one. Yeah. Wow. I mean, it is a natural one, but it is also still ten. Starts to sneak forward and then gets out a trombone. <laughs> <laughs> if, I, uh, if I alert people, um, I did it on purpose because you were being unkind. And actions have consequences. Very good lesson, Benny. Peering in through the crack in the door, you can see the familiar bubblegum pink hair of Gearhead. She's flanked by her two doormen and is talking to a figure in black robes with a black hood who himself is flanked by four bounders, one of whom you recognize as Angus MacLeod. Their body language looks tense, but none of them seem to look in your direction. Can I have a perception check, please? Fourteen. Where is he? The masked man asks. I have absolutely no idea. I haven't spoken to him in weeks. He murdered two bounders yesterday. You're telling me he didn't come straight here to you? I've only got back today myself. From where? Gearhead doesn't answer immediately. Who's this fine gentleman you're with, then? From behind the obvious lines that have been set up between the two sides, a somewhat familiar gentleman steps forward in amazing white outfit, incredibly well-tailored. I am Tiram Tamres. Pleasure. I love your outfit. Is that Costa Curtis? No, it's Batistutas. Who he is isn't important. I ask again, where were you? I was procuring some wood for a project. And she points to a small pile of lumber. What kind of wood is this? You recognize the voice of Inspector McLeod as he reaches down and picks up a piece of the wood. Oh, it's pine. It's very light for pine. Gearhead shrugs. We tolerate your business because it serves our interests. But remember precisely who is in control here, gnome. 
I must admit, I thought it was your sister who was in charge. Where is T.R.? The hooded figure raises a hand and a moat of fire flies out from his fingertips and the piece of wood in McLeod's hand is incinerated. Uh, Benny, give me an insight check, please. Seven. Oh, would you like to do anything? Or would you like to continue to listen? Do Am I sort of fairly well hidden? Yeah, they haven't noticed you at all. Okay. Has Benny noticed a squid tentacle slowly reaching out <laughs> towards him? I'll continue to listen for a bit. Now look, I worked very hard to get that wood. I don't much like the accusations you've been throwing around here this morning. Your attempts at subtle intimidation may work on the common folk, but they won't work on me. Oh, Tavish, you don't know me all that well, so I'll forgive you for not knowing what happens when someone goes and upsets me. The masked man sends a moat of fire directly at Gearhead, who gets knocked back. Even with a smoking wound on her chest, she rolls back onto her feet, reaches into her pocket, and pulls out a small bell, which she rings. There is a loud crash from the opposite side of the room, and in bursts an enormous metal dog that immediately leaps on the hooded man. He's unable to react in time, and the dog begins to savage him on the floor. Gearhead's guards charge and attack the bounders. The man in white steps away from the combat. Within seconds, there is a full-blown fight. Let's get in there, lads. In there on gearhead side, I'm assuming. I head back to the to the group. I say, I don't, I don't think we need to get involved in this at all. I reckon we get we get out of here pretty fast. That's my vote. Gearhead does have our wood. Yeah, I just I don't think we need to be involved. I think best thing best thing is we just leave. We could send someone in to sneak and retrieve the wood. No, absolutely not. No, not doing it. I'm out of here. Don't like it. Don't want to get involved. I see how unfortunate, because our means of travel is in that room. Let's assume bad things are going on in there. Panda. Yes, Tog. I would feel bad to leave Gearhead to die. I wouldn't. I don't think she'll die, though, and I think it makes sense for us to intervene. Well, I reckon you lads go ahead and intervene, and I'll just uh, make myself scarce, I think. Make myself scarce. How wonderfully strange (laughs) that sentence is. (laughs) Well, I turn to Tok. On your lead, then. Yeah, Tok already is spearing his shield. And we'll glance at Augustus before charging in. Uh, Augustus mirrors Benny's earlier sigh, but is persuaded that we need to get in on this one. Not least because the unmurdered inspector probably needs to be murdered. <laughs> well, we just have no good reasons for doing anything, do we? <laughs> the body count isn't high enough. That's why we. I, I, don't, I just don't like to leave anyone unmurdered when they, once they've annoyed us. <laughs> Goddamn loose ends. We need to tie these up. Uh, okay, and uh, Vander begins hobbling in the direction of the door. Benny sees them going and sort of like does that thing. You know, you're really indecisive and you sort of start to take a step forward and then take a step back and then take a step forward and can't really decide what to do. And then he takes his cloak and kind of, as best as he can, wraps it around his face so that only his eyes are appearing over the top of it and you can't really see much of him at all and follows everyone else in. That is a fascinating move. Augustus would stop to think about this if he wasn't absolutely terrified. I mean, you are the heroic paladin, so there's no reason you wouldn't be terrified of a mid-level fight. 
Well, there seems to be a lot of like hooded people. I assume they're all wizards and, you know. There is one hooded person. Two now, if you include your teammate. Isn't isn't the hooded person being savaged by a robot dog? Yeah, I'm not worried about him at all. I mean, to be fair, we opted not to take on the inspector, even though we were four on one against him, and we had two orcs who were very obviously on our side. Yeah, true. And yet we we sort of thought maybe he was going to turn out to be some sort of powerful hit. Well, anyway, when we all when we all die, I warned us. Let's not forget the guy who told you to leave, and you did. <laughs> I was gonna, that was a weird D&D moment. <laughs> Initiative checks, please. Well, three for Augustus. Twelve for Tok. Nine. Just can't roll today. Five. Low on initiative, low on creativity. Benny, you're going to miss the first round because you didn't go in with your fellows. Fair enough. Fair enough. Naughty Benny. As you enter, you can see that the robot dog is savaging the hooded man. Uh, and Gearhead has moved towards him as well. The two gnomes are currently being flanked by the bounders. You can see that both sides are getting good hits in. There's blood starting to slatter across the floors as almost every hit lands. Uh, the gnomes look like they're going to be overwhelmed shortly. We go to Tok. Uh, Tok is going to rush the assistance of one of the gnomes. And uh, he is going to take a spear and stab at one of the bounders in the back. Oh, you can do it at advantage because you are flanking the bounder. Not that it'll help, obviously. <laughs> the ceremonial pointing device is out again. That's right. Build him up. Ah, oh, goddamn. Okay, so with advantage, Tox managed to roll a grand total of 11. With the bounder's spear, you charge in to the bounder who is not looking in your direction. He's currently in a fight to the death with a gnome as you... <laughs> You plunge the spear forward and it goes under his arm, completely missing him, and comes back having done no damage. Doc looks at the tip of the spear to see if there's blood on it. <laughs> this is defective. They may be automatons in disguise. The bounder obviously sees the spear coming under his arm and <laughs> freaks out, turns around, <laughs> uh, draws his bladed club in the air, ignoring the attacks from the gnome behind him and swings it at Tok. That has no more effect than my spear had on him. But your new shield is able to block the attack with a plum, forcing him back. The other bounders begin to pile in on, and the gnome that you haven't spoken to is overwhelmed and killed by the bounders as they flank him, his small, lifeless body slumping to the ground. Vander. I'm going to be... A classic Vander, I'm going to hobble into the room and I'm going to push the guard in combat with Tok and the gnome out of combat. And that is a three, which is a failure. Vander raises his hand in the air and the bounder who's just brought his club down on Tok's shield is suddenly pulled out of combat with the two. Tok and the gnome get an opportunity attack. Tok will roll without advantage this time. A 22. <laughs> it's a hit. Please roll for damage. Finally. Augustus faints. Uh, for six damage. Tok, Tok literally just had his like spear aimed sideways slightly, and it just yanked him straight into the spear. <laughs> <laughs> An accidental wounding from Tok. <laughs> uh, the gnome is not as successful and misses. Augustus. I'll attack this gentleman with a rapier. Twelve. Is a hit. Yeah. Please roll for damage. Eight piercing. 
please tell me the story of how Augustus kills the bounder. He stabs the bounder in the chest and the bounder slumps to the ground. Nice. Dead. Dead as a doorknob. The bounder in front of you looks furious. Well, he might be. So you see the hooded figure raises a hand in the air and the well-dressed gentleman is suddenly pushed back 15 feet uh, and lands on his backside, looking quite terrified. The hooded figure then raises his other hand as he gets back to his feet, pushing the dog off off of him and places his hand on the dog's head. Electricity suddenly crackles out of his fingertip, sending the dog into spasm. God. Getting bad vibes from that guy. (laughs) Inspector McLeod swings at Gunder, the gnome that you do know, uh, but Gunder is quick and able to avoid the slow and lumbersome attacks. And you can see Gearhead has got some tools out, and rather than focusing on attacking the hooded man, she kind of slides on her knees next to the dog and begins to twist her wrench around like she's doing quick repairs on the dog while it's fighting. And we are back with Tok. Tok is going to move in behind the gnome and stab at the bounder with a spear again. 17. Is a hit. Roll for damage. Four pissing damage. Tok, please describe how you kill the bounder. Um, okay, as Tok's uh, walking past, as the as the bounder will like parry his spear, he'll just um, punch out with a shield and just clack him straight in the uh, straight in the head. The guy just slumped unconscious to the ground. It's very nice. Uh, the bounder who looked furious at Augustus charges at him with his club drawn, swings, and Augustus takes one half step to the left, sending the bounder clattering to the floor. He quickly gets back up, looking slightly embarrassed at his failed attack. Augustus returns the look of fury with one of amusement. Benny, welcome to the fight. Thanks. I'm going to have a little sneak attack at old McLeod. Dreaming of murdering him every day. (laughs) Uh, 20. Is a hit. Please roll for damage. So it's uh, 13 total piercing damage. Nice. And a dexterity save to avoid being pinned in place. That is 18 for dexterity. I'll do. So you move quickly along the back of one of the pews, pop your head up, draw Lorien's bow and fire an arrow, missing Gunder and piercing McLeod in the stomach. He he looks quite impacted by the hit. I hide behind the pew. Okay. Benny in the action. Vanda. Vanda begins hobbling from pew to pew as he moves towards the fighting. Gripping with one hand on the pew for steadying, he then turns in the direction and yells, McLeod! Because <laughs> why wouldn't you? And I cast sleep. So please roll 5d8. 21. Attempt to kind of cast sleep on him to just put him down. But you see him kind of shaking as little purple wisps of your magics appear around his head and you can see him irritatedly swinging at him. Uh, Augustus. Uh, I'm going to prod this guy with the rapier. 16. Hits. 8. Very nice. Tell me the story of how you killed this bounder. With my eyes firmly fixed on the hooded figure who's fighting the dog, I just run this low-level grunt through and then step over his body towards my real prey. Vanda, as you irritatedly look at McLeod, who's still standing after your attempt to put him to sleep, out the corner of your eye you see a sudden wisp of mist similar to what you saw in the the inn earlier 
as a hooded figure appears out of nowhere. Oh, no. She raises her hand at Augustus. I believe we've met. A three. A, a moat of fire flies out of her hand as Vanda says, I believe we've met. And the firebolt whis- whistles over Augustus's head. Cassis, she yells. Got it. Not a talker. Augustus casts a look of utter scorn in the direction of this misfiring wizardess. The hooded man in front of Augustus, suddenly irritated at the situation that's developing, looks at the hooded woman and yells, Stop playing with your food. Get Tamrace out of here. Uh, And then turns round and once again grips the dog as electrical energy surges through his fingertips, kind of haywiring the mechanical dog. And it is McLeod's turn. He's going to turn and attack Tok. Or 22. Uh, 22 will hit. So that is a grand total of seven damage, please. Okay. Uh, he brings the club down heavily, ignoring the defences of Tok and smashing into his chest as a din rings out around Gearhead's headquarters. Tok, you're a tort. Uh, Tok's going to have to stab him back with a spear, although... At advantage. At advantage. I think we're in a bad situation here, guys. Yep. <laughs> Uh, Tok gets a 21. Is a hit. Roll for damage. Or six damage again. Having been smashed in the chest by McLeod's club, Tok spins his spear around with a grace not normally seen from the automaton and stabs it directly into McLeod's stomach. Now you see him wheeze heavily. Benny. I'm going to have another shot at our friend McLeod. Uh, 24. Is a hit. Roll for damage. Um. 10. Very nice. And a dexterity save, DC 14. It's a fail. Ah. So the shot from Benny uh, pierces McLeod's left hand and actually drags him to the floor. Uh, You see him struggle, but he can't get up from the arrow that is currently pinning him to the ground. My work complete. I hide. (laughs) (laughs) Who fired that? It could have been anybody. Vanda. Uh, Vanda, realizing that there's now someone new in the room, turns and from under his cloak produces the heavy flintlock which he levels in the direction of our new friend and just pulls both triggers that's an advantage isn't it because yes he's in it the right is range perfect range 13 13 is a hit amazing literally exactly what you needed that is a terrible roll by the way jesus christ i'll take it roll for damage that's five plus one cool so six damage so yeah uh so vanda as, as described, spins on his heels, looks at the stranger, and with without even stopping, his hand reaches under his cloak, the heavy flintlock appears, and with a deafening <laughs> bits of glass and salt sh- splash into the hooded woman who shrieks in pain. Ah, you fuck! Vanda smiles. <laughs> Nicely done, Vanda. Uh, Augustus. I will attack scary McHoodface. 22. Is it hit? Roll for damage. 11. Uh, And I would also like to add Divine Smite. 9. For a grand total of... 20. Jesus Christ! Ouch. Augustus, you hear for a moment the little voice in the back of your head. Choose me. And as you swing your rapier towards the hooded man, 
a bolt of lightning seems to hit your rapier as you plunge it into his back. You hear him suddenly, <clears throat> you know that it's a palpable hit. Uh, the rest of you don't see the lightning bolt that hit his rapier, by the way. Very minor nice. disappointment, but I still feel pretty cool right now. <laughs> the woman in the red hood disappears in a puff of mist and reappears behind Augustus. She pulls out a dagger and attacks him for 21. That's certainly a hit. Please take five piercing damage. And can I have a charisma saving throw? 26. Natural 20. She's charmed, frankly. <laughs> she stabs you in the back and you feel kind of tight pain where the knife plunges into your shoulder. You sense that there's more to the attack. But again, the voice in your head, choose me. And the knife just slips out of the wound she's created. She begins to move. Didn't she just move out of combat? Yes, she did. She moves out of combat. Augustus, you may do a, an attack of opportunity. 15 is a hit. Roll for damage. Six. Very nice. So even, without even looking, you can sense her moving away from you and you swing and the blade almost leads you directly to slash at the back of her legs. Now you hear her stumbling, but she continues to move towards Tiram Tamrace. The hooded man with still crackling electricity again yells, Get out of here! And he grabs the dog and with crackling energy, he spins the head and the head of the dog comes clean off and the body slumps to the floor. Big mistake in a room full of dog lovers. <laughs> uh, he spins on his heels to face Augustus and you can see uh, a red flaming sword suddenly appears in his hand and he rubs it along his around the palm of his other hand I'm going to enjoy this red flaming sword seems familiar turning his back on gearhead is not a good idea right right she's a psychopathic serial killer I mean she seems lovely but that's what we keep hearing Have you hear a short scream of rage and then as you're staring at the hooded man, the bubblegum pink hair of Gearhead suddenly appears over the shoulder of the hooded man as she clambers onto his back, pulls out a knife and just begins jabbing it into his neck over and over and over again as blood splatters everywhere. You can see her almost laughing hysterically as she continues to rain blows down on him. Still enjoying yourself? Augustus inquires. McLeod. Uh, McLeod swings at Tuck. Oh, for 17. Uh, so once again, Tok's shield blocks the attack. And Tok? Isn't, isn't McLeod pinned to the floor? His left hand was pinned to the floor. Does that impact stuff? No, it just means he can't move. So his, his movement is reduced to zero. Right. Uh, he can okay. still do other actions. I feel like the red one is going to escape. Okay, Tok is going to, instead of attacking, he's going to take out a small stone like carved coin that he's got with uh, flame, water, and half circle on it, and use it to summon lesser elementals. It comes the mud. <laughs> which, <laughs> which elemental would you like? I will go with a an earth elemental, and uh, next to the shadow vanguard chap in the dark cloak. Tok, having seen his opponent pinned to the ground, pulls out the magical stone and kind of, with a little bit of arcane infusion, rubs his thumb along the elemental symbol, summoning a lesser elemental. Uh, the stone crumbles in your hand. The elemental opens his mouth like mud dripping. Every element of it is made of mud, and it pulls its dripping hand back and begins to launch three separate attacks. 
on the Shadow Vanguard. The muddy hand smashes down on him over and over again, uh, doing a grand total of 13 damage to him. Uh, he looks very, very unwell at the moment with Gearhead on his back, stabbing him repeatedly on the shoulder, an earth elemental slapping him across the face with his muddy hand. And Augustus stood there with the divine might behind him. Lovely stuff. Benny. I'm going to have a shot at the Shadow Vanguard as well. Just, mm-hmm. you know, get involved. Why not? You pad your stats with a kill. That wasn't in my mind at all. I'm upset that you would even mention it. One psychic <laughs> damage for lying. Uh, 11. Uh, is a miss. Mm. Your arrow from the shadows, because there's so much chaos happening, it was going to be a long shot to hit anything in there, and it just whistles ineffectively to the back corner of the room. You going to hide to end your turn? We're just assuming, yes. <laughs> I assume. Yeah. Uh, Vanda. Uh, I'm going to leap. Well, leap. I'm going to (laughs) hobble round the benches here and into the centre of the room and then facing the Shadow Vanguard, I say, your kind should know when their time is done and cast Mind Spike. Nice. Oh, with a a shattering 23. Which is obviously a hit. We're all for damage. And I've hit an eight. Vanda. Tell me the story of how you kill the Shadow Vanguard. I hobble into the centre of the room, having left the support of the bench, staring down the Shadow Vanguard. I raise a hand, at which point I enter his mind, shattering how he views the world and drawing on his memories of his training, which I know of the Shadow Vanguard is exquisitely painful. Racked by all those emotions, his mental capacity crumbles under the weight of the attack. He bleeds from every orifice and falls to the ground stone dead. (laughs) (laughs) Brutal little twist at the end, the bleeding all of a sudden. As he falls to the ground, bleeding from every orifice, Gearhead rides him like a horse down to the ground, still stabbing him in the neck, even though he is plainly dead. I mean, from the rest of us's perspective, it looks like Gearhead got that kill. (laughs) (laughs) Off killer. That was, yeah, wowzers. Okay, Augustus. Assuming that McLeod is now in a world of trouble, because we're basically a room full of, like, killer monsters now, I am going to walk up to nearly the woman, I think was referred to as sister. Augustus just basically yells to her, stop, you cannot escape. She turns round, looks at you. You see her head tilt slightly to the right as she reaches up and removes her mask, revealing a pale but very beautiful young woman. And there's a small trickle of blood from the corner of her mouth. And she begins to laugh. (laughs) And then she grips the fine gentleman and a door appears behind them and she pushes him through and runs in after him. And the door closes behind them. Can I still move on and attack? Yep. McLeod? Of course. Oh, only 12. Uh, 12 is a hit, just. And seven piercing damage. Very nice. Yeah, so uh, Augustus steps in, stabbing away with his rapier uh, as McLeod's mouth begins to fill with blood, uh, with his hand pinned to the floor. And Augustus says, my Nebuchadnezzar accent is flawless. Pull back to the last episode, jerk, criticize my accent. Classic. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I don't know if we've seen any evidence that he recognized us, but he definitely will now. McLeod desperately tries to swing with his free hand at Augustus, the new attacker, uh, but his left hand being pinned to the ground really prevents him from getting anywhere. And he looks exhausted as he kind of gives up and basically remains on one knee. 
breathing heavily. Benny. I say, we're, we're six on one here. Are we, are we carrying on? What's, what's happening? Are we putting him out of his misery or what? I wouldn't mind a word at this stage. Will he yield? I yield. You have at it then, Thunder. I'm just going to have a sit down. Thank you. Tok's going to take away his weapon. He's bloodied and battered, and he's still struggling to remove the arrow that Benny pinned him to the floor with. Um, Fanda, as you move towards him, to your right, you can see Gearhead is still just stabbing away at the dead body of the Shadow Vanguard. Yeah, so I look at that without really engaging with it. Um, (laughs) I move around calmly and sit down on the bench next to our downed inspector. Gentlemen, I may need a moment alone with our friend. I find that to be acceptable. I'd say that this, weirdly, even though he was just being attacked by six people and a mud monster and a demented gnome, his situation one-on-one with Vanda sitting on a bench would seem to be a lot worse. (laughs) Uh, So Augustus is not keen to allow any torture to happen, but he's going to take just one step back and kind of keep a close watch on the whole situation. I say, uh, Greta, I think think he might be dead. Let's... um... Let's go and let's go and fix your dog up or something. She doesn't seem to hear you. She just kind of. Uh, she stops stabbing for a moment and pulls out one of his hands and begins to carve off fingers. Well, I tried. I guess <laughs> people express their grief in different ways, don't they? Yeah, I'm, I'm away. <laughs> Vanda, I think it's time that we had a little chat, Inspector. What do you say? I know you. You're. Gary Pencil. Yes, Gary Pencil, at your service. And with that, Vanda removes his face mask and places it on the bench beside him. Wow, that's better. Lords and heavens above, what's happened to your face? Too much to recount, I'm afraid. It's how I acquired the skills I'm about to use. What do you want? I'm going to do an insight check. Uh, I'm going to make the case that my special knowledge of torture gives me an insight into people I might then use the art on. But that's what I'm looking for. Okay. Are you looking for like a a weakness? Yes. So like he's really attached to his fingers or ears or something. (laughs) 23. (laughs) I've worked out the guy has a nervous system. (laughs) (laughs) Um, he's really attached to his fingers or ears or something. But I'm going to lean in and start speaking with him in quietened tones, essentially outlining what I believe he wouldn't want to hear. You explain very quietly and personally to him, and you can see the whites of his eyes get bigger and bigger. And actually, with your expert knowledge of the situation, you can tell that Despite his appearance and his general demeanour, his tolerance for pain is not very high. This is what you would class as a very, very easy target for someone of your ability. Oh dear, Inspector. Looks like you're out of road. Well, what do you want? I want to know what happened on the train first. With the... with the ox? Yes. They're refugees coming from... The deserts in the south. The Emperor doesn't want that sort of pollution in his lands. They're nobles. They were nobles of their kind. Dealt with them. By dealt, I assume you mean they're no longer with us? They are not. I see. And why were you here tonight? When the Shadow Vanguard tell you to be somewhere, 
you follow the instructions. Tavish was looking for Bartle Schultz. He's a local entertainer, fighter. Got into trouble last night, killed some bounders. It's unacceptable. Mm. And the sister? Tiara, another shadow vanguard. They're twins, quite demented. And what does our friend she dragged through the portal have to play in this group? His name is Tamrace. He's the head of the Tamrace Foundation. They're based in Middleton, in Alphon. They're huge contributors to the Empire, and they're hoping to come over here to Ovik in order to lay claim to the technology of the Steamrunner. I suspect they've been brought for negotiations with Gearhead, but the Bardo Schultz information tete-a-tete did not go as expected. I glance over at Gearhead and then turn back. Why should they not? <laughs> She's proven herself to be consistently unpredictable. I would agree with that assessment. Again, glancing at Gearhead, who presumably is still madly hacking away at what must be now the goo. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Stripping him down and cutting off various elements. I'm starting to feel like she's trying to turn that guy into soup. <laughs> yeah. Tox's going to have a look and see if it's like any like magic items or anything he's got on him before she like stomps on them or that's fine so so while she's doing that you you notice Tuck has also lent in unusually close and is just inspecting the dead body quickly not trying to stop it normal stuff <laughs> normal stuff yeah no he's 100% not trying to stop it just trying to like not get in her way too much and grab things uh, oh, no, I'll send the earth elemental to stand imposingly you're uh, you seem very different to the last time I saw you Gary Pencil who are you who I am is not important, though I am actually quite good with a pencil, thanks for asking. I have one last question for you, but before I ask it, know this. Your death is certain, but your manner of leaving this world can either be peaceful or grotesque. Do you understand? He looks at you wide-eyed, but doesn't respond. You can tell that he's shocked. Now, what aren't you telling me? The Tamrace Foundation. They're going to rip off the gnomes. They wanted Gearhead dead. The Empire don't like Slate Home, but they like their technology. Thank you. And with that, I place my hand on the back of his neck and cast Mind Spike. Please tell me the story of how Inspector Angus MacLeod dies. I place a hand on the Inspector's neck. He doesn't feel pain. He just feels a brief flash of memories and then passes away, the pain in his hand and the other wounds melting away as he loses consciousness. Vander stands and makes his way back towards Gearhead. <laughs> Talk during your in, your inspections of the autopsy that's happening at the moment <laughs> in front of you, uh, you find a silver medallion. Uh, it's circular and appears to have a strange symbol uh, etched into it. You don't recognize it. You don't recognize the symbol. All the design, you've never seen an item like this before. If, if I notice Vanda moving up, uh, toggles a um, Vanda, did you dispose of the inspector? He succumbed to his injuries. I find that to be acceptable. Behind you, Gearhead has plucked both eyes out of the head. <laughs> God, she's determined. She jumps up in the air and stamps on both eyeballs at the same time. <laughs> And they squirt out juice in all directions. Oh, wow. And then she 
She stops for a moment, takes a deep breath. Yeah, a word, if you don't mind. Oh, Mustang. Oh, sorry about that. No, I apologize for interrupting. That's fine. I, I think I've done everything I need to. Oh, nothing like that to get the old blood pumping, is it? I've got one hand behind my back, making the calmly now sign to the rest of the team. No, I felt you were very balanced in your judgment, if I may say so. But thought you should stop now, otherwise you might blunt your knife. No one wants to have the chore of sharpening it again. Oh, of course. I'm sorry, you saw what he did to Spike. I mean, I just lost my temper there. You know what happens when I lose my temper? I do, and emphatically, and I believe that liquefaction was the only reasonable response. <laughs> Quite. Um, anyway, I've I lost myself for a bit, but um, I've got your word. Good news. That is good news. Such a lot of blood, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to take a while to uh, clear it out. I would say so. Uh, I'm Van- finding it emotionally difficult to shift my head into boat repairs. Vanda <laughs> <laughs> tries to get a bit of eyeball off his uh, off his cloak. Um, I mean, yeah. presumably there'll be retaliations for this. Oh, I shouldn't think so. Yeah, I mean, I think we should leave the world at this point to get away. From Not this. for you, my cunningly disguised friend. I don't think they'll uh, they'll know that anything happened here. Me and Gunder will clear things up. Oh, poor Bigby. What about what about ones that go away? The red one and the impeccably dressed one. Well, I think if they uh, tried to say anything, there'd be some retribution towards them. The Shadow Vanguard may be feared elsewhere in the world, but this is Sleet Home. This is my city. Do you know why they were here, Kid? They were after Bartle Schultz. He was supposed to be doing your job, actually, before... I heard you. I see. Honestly, ridiculous. He's just a fucking pit fighter. Absolutely lost their minds. I don't like being upset, and I don't like my authority being questioned. So I think Tavish here has learned his lesson. Well, do make sure he's dead. <laughs> I suppose it'll make the cleanup easier, wouldn't it? Because they'd be able to just pour him down the sink, <laughs> presumably. <laughs> Gearhead, I understand that above all, you are a business gnome. May have some information for the right coin. <laughs> Always looking for coin. What's the right coin? How good is this information? You're fair-minded, so I'm happy to tell you if you'll deal with me honourably. Of course I am. What you got? I thought you should know our inspector friend before he died of his injuries explained that there may be some attempts to steal the plans for the steam runner. Turns out that there's political intrigue around this, and I thought this information would be useful to one such as yourself. That is useful. And it's fucking annoying, too. I imagine so. That is very interesting. I'm going to need to put my best minds on it. And that's me, by the way. Of course, I genuflect. Uh, she reaches into her dungarees and pulls out a coin purse and throws it towards you. That's 150 extra gold there for you. Thank you for the information. Always a pleasure, Gearhead. I need to figure out how to play this. It's not going to be easy come summer solstice. You're going to be bloody, I imagine. <laughs> Well, I'm supposed to be getting a commendation. I don't know how that's going to work with the Tam race either. Interesting. I'll have a think about it. Anyway, you've got your wood, so you can do your repairs. It is two and a half weeks. That should be more than enough time to clear up the blood. <laughs> Thank you, Tark. We'll have it cleared up by the end of the day, but 
I appreciate your input on the matter. Forgot we've only just had breakfast. <laughs> it's been a very long day so far. <laughs> Vander, a word in private, if you don't mind. Certainly. And I begin hobbling up into the pews. I think Augustus is going to just take sit down in one of the pews and just take a moment to pray here. Actually, Toc will take a look at the um, the dog. Yeah. Uh, that was called Spike, I believe. Indeed. Um, yeah, Toc will have a go at trying to repair it or doing what he can to like collect up the pieces and you know assemble them. Give me a give me a Tinker's Tools check, uh, and Vander will come to you in a second. I'm going to take a seat on the pew. It's been quite a lot of walking. Okay, and you rolled a sixteen. Uh, yep. So you, it looks like simple automaton. Well, I say simple. It looks like automaton technology. Uh, so you're actually very used to it. It's obviously designed like a dog rather than like humanoid form. Uh, but you find that with even just a small amount of effort, you're able to kind of repair things. Doesn't none of its crystals or anything is are damaged. Yeah, it's literally just had its head ripped off. Okay, I will delay reactivating or whatever until Gearhead comes back. Vander, yes, Gearhead, your new friend Talk. Yes, how much? Vander sighs. I was afraid you may ask this. Talk is sadly not for sale. No offense intended. There's no amount of money that I can tempt you with? Why, what obscene sum were you considering? Vander's eye gleams. Well, I'm sure it could come up with high five figures for him. Vander stiffens slightly at the sheer volume of money <laughs> being mentioned. Vander sighs heavily. I fear I may be becoming emotional in my old age, but I just don't feel I can do that to a friend. You've changed, Mustang. And for the worse, I know it's sickening. I'm not so sure. You might not be quite as effective an operator as you used to be, but I think you're probably a better person. Mm, I adjust my faceplate. <laughs> anyway, what have you got planned for the rest of the day? We're planning a picnic in the mountains. <laughs> if we should come across a friend of yours, would there be coin in managing this person? Are you talking about Bartle? Why, yes, I am. He's just a hired gun that I occasionally use. A bit redundant now we're here, wouldn't you say? Well, you have proven yourself quite effective. But uh, Bartle's not one for missing out on too much work. I'm sure he'll be fine. Well, I'll be saying hi to him if I see him in the mountains for you. Do remember we're in the area for the next couple of weeks. If you do need a hand of any kind, this little massacre was a freebie. That's fine. And I guess I can find you up at your hidden airship, can I? I guess you can. Vanda smiles in his crooked three-teeth way. He gives you a little wink, ruffles her hair, wipes the viscera off her face, and gets up. I'll see you soon, Mustang. A pleasure as always, Gearhead. And I awkwardly rise and move back to the group. I noticed the, the, the earth elemental still just stood around. <laughs> it's just a sludgy man of mud <laughs> stood in the middle of the thing. Vanda, be careful. You are stepping in Shadow Vanguard. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes Vanda slips horribly as he's trying to get out of the rather large pool of slaughtered human effluence notoriously difficult to get off your boots uh, and uh, I share out the coins a good fight gentlemen anything else before you leave Gearhead's headquarters the wood yes uh, Tok will uh, Tok will put it in his bag you have the wood idea of like a magic trick of the mast long length of wood just disappears into Tok's bag there Augustus pauses in the middle of the building, not in a puddle of dead person, uh, and just looks up at the sort of 
altar? Is there an altar? Is that a kind of a, a yeah. space where an altar would be for sure? And just waits. Obviously, he's heard voices here a couple of times. He just waits to kind of tries to kind of quiet his mind and see if there's anything else coming. Okay, give me a religion check. Sixteen. You pray, looking towards the altar, looking for more signs of anything, and you hear a voice in your head. Tear is always watching, and will always protect. Okay, Augustus nods to himself. Benny seems a bit sort of distracted, slightly stunned by the whole thing. Perhaps, perhaps by the absolute gore that he's just <laughs> observed. But he look, yeah, he seems quite quite distracted and just sort of wanders around in a bit of a daze, almost kind of like mechanically collecting up his arrows as he would after any fight. Vander appears wraith-like at Benny's shoulder. Benny, mm. talk me through the moments before we entered the fray. How do you mean, Vander? You seemed undecided. Vander tilts his head. Well, it, well, I mean, we were stepping into something pretty serious, weren't we? And I sort of foresaw that, and I thought, you know, Gearhead's fight. Why are we? Why are we getting into it? Oh, your bow turned out to be pretty useful, did it not? Well, it usually does, but. Bit of a scrape, wasn't it? Felt like things could have gone wrong at any moment there. And the wearing of your cloak over your face? Felt like the right thing to do with bounders and stuff. Thought, you know, we're pretty well recognised these days, aren't we? Might make a nice change to try not to be identified as people who've been causing chaos all over Empire. Fascinating. And that your passive insight is screaming at you that he is lying through his fucking teeth. You've never seen someone tell a less convincing lie in your life. It's almost like he's showing off his teeth. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Nothing he said is true. <laughs> Man buys a mirror in the morning and hides his face by midday. How about the truth, Benny? I don't know what, I don't know what you mean, Vander. Well, think of a lie and then head in the other direction. Okay. I suppose one lie would be your name's Van de Finnick, and you've been straightforward and direct with us about all your motives and your history ever since we've met. That would be a good example of a lie, wouldn't it? <laughs> it would. Yeah. But you do know now that it is not the full truth. That's true. That's true. We do know that. Because yeah. you got upset about that newspaper article. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess when something comes up in paper about me, that's uh, we'll have a we'll have a chat, shall we? Mark this conversation down as not reciprocated, then, shall we? Now's not the time, Vander. I've just seen a man have his hands pulled off and his eyeballs stamped out. I'm in a sl- slightly emotional state, so perhaps we perhaps we could have deep and meaningfuls at another moment. My old captor would say, "Welcome to the real world." At moments like that. Well, I'm glad I haven't met him then. You should be, friend. As I hobble away in the direction, this time, of Augustus. Augustus. Hello, Vander. I couldn't help but notice in that fight you appear to be stronger than you look. Well, one doesn't like to brag. Indeed. Deep in communion at the altar, I see too. Yes, my dear fellow. I must say I find the atmosphere in this place rather strange. The blood on the walls will do that to an atmosphere. Is there something strange about this building in particular? How so? You might say it speaks to me in a way I don't fully understand. 
I confess. Voices in the dark. What do they tell you? They say little, but they seem to be encouraging, beseeching almost. How intriguing. A journey of some kind that you're on, but not one in which the path is yet clear. Perhaps. And I wonder whether, while I felt encouragement, our friend Benny felt the opposite. Benny, I, I don't wish to pry. I just wondered whether, while I, while I felt some strange encouragement in this place, whether you felt the opposite. You seemed uncharacteristically reluctant. Yeah, yeah. Got a weird atmosphere, hasn't it? Here? Very, very strange. I lean conspiratorially towards Augustus. I'm not sure that Benny's a godly man. Does that explain it, Benny? What? That I'm not. I'm not a godly man. No. Does that explain your unease here, or was it something about the particular assembly of individuals? I think that accounts for it, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Why not? This is the house of Tyr, the god of courage and self-sacrifice. I wonder Benny feels so completely out of place here. Benny, was the was the man in the white cloak known to you? Are we still doing this? Are we not are we not giving it a rest? Are we standing in a hall full of gore, badgering me with questions just because I wanted to put a We could do it over a creme de monde at the glittering pearl. Everyone there knows us. Or a picnic in the mountains. Ah, <laughs> oh, picnic in the mountains. Perhaps we should get on our way. Agreed. Benny, I I apologize for pressing you in this scene of unimaginable unspeakable gore <laughs> oh no <laughs> absolutely it's, it's gone foot it's al gore in here <laughs> let's perhaps we should go and enjoy rosalind's finest soup and perhaps pick up the conversation then with benny reluctant to divulge any further information and getting slightly irritable the rest of you leave the scene of gore in the former temple of tear behind you step out into the pouring rain on your way to the mountain of grod san kir and we'll end it there I also just confirm that my understanding that Dominic has just brought in fantasy WWE into the story. Yes. <laughs> no, it's a fighting pit. It's very real. Okay. <laughs> Actually, uh, to bore you with the history thing, there's loads of evidence that gladiators in Rome basically became that over time. It's what happened to the Spartans as well. Anyway, we this what? is not a history <laughs> podcast. Or a politics podcast. Or a politics podcast. This is a nonsense podcast. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Again, right. This is ships and shipping. I've established that already. Hoist <laughs> yeah. oh, the main rudder, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening. Please consider supporting Dice Company on Patreon, where for the price of a cup of coffee, you get access to a whole other show, Extra Roll, as well as an ad-free listening experience. The Dice Company Discord server, along with our socials, can be found on our link tree in the show notes. If you enjoyed this chapter, please like and subscribe, and don't forget to recommend us to your friends. If you didn't like it, recommend us to your enemies. And we'll see you next time on Dice Company. Dice Company.